In today's Vetfolio Voice podcast, we interview Dr. Natalie Marks, DVM, CVJ, on the challenges to feline healthcare and ways to improve client communication and help practices become more cat-friendly. Sadly, only one-third of cats visit the veterinarian compared to nearly 80% of dogs. Today, we'll cover the reasons for poor feline patient retention, explore how to implement easy, cat-friendly protocols in any practice, and improve communication with cat owners to help them value wellness exams and preventative care for both indoor and outdoor cats. This podcast is sponsored by Zoetis, the leading animal health company that develops and markets innovative products. Zoetis is dedicated to supporting its customers and their businesses. Building on more than 60 years of experience in animal health, Zoetis discovers, develops, manufactures, and markets veterinary vaccines and medicines complemented by innovative diagnostic products and genetic tests supported by a range of services. For more information, visit www.zoetis.com. All right, I'm joined by Dr. Natalie Marks, who I've spoken with before and some other things. She's so much fun to talk to, and we're thrilled to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Marks. It's great to be back with you, Dr. Cassie. We've heard you report that cats frequent the vet less often than their canine counterparts and therefore are less likely to receive those important annual checkups which is a trend I absolutely see as a small animal GP myself. Can you tell our listeners more about this? Yeah, sadly, less than two out of five cats ever see a veterinarian compared to four out of five dogs. And most of these cats that do visit the vet, they do so mostly as kittens. However, once those kitties receive their booster series and their initial flea or deworming treatments, they really tend to drop off as patients and they don't return until they're much older and potentially only experiencing symptoms of illness. Well, that's definitely not ideal. I mean, we catch a lot of things on those annual exams. So what does the data show as a cause for that discrepancy between dogs and cats? Well, there's a multitude of reasons for this. Market research has shown that many owners simply don't realize their cat should see their vet for an annual checkup. And many feel that if their cat remains indoors, it's less likely to encounter infectious diseases or injuries. You know, cats, as we know, are really good hiders of pain and illness. So this adds to the difficulty. But also many owners find it overly stressful to bring their cat to the vet. Market research also shows that they would be willing to place their cats into the carrier and bring them in if they believe the value of the exam was worth the stress. But Unfortunately, many owners believe the stress to their cat and frankly to themselves outweighs what is falsely perceived as little benefit from the visit. Well, that's great information. I mean, it can be really easy to just assume that the owner doesn't want the hassle of bringing the cat in. So I think that's a great reminder that there's often an issue with perceived importance of wellness care for cats. What do you find is the biggest challenge for practices in communicating to owners about the need to see feline patients on a regular basis and ensuring that it's a positive experience for both the cat and the pet owner? Well, unfortunately, most small animal practices are set up more for canine patients. There's usually a canine-focused website and canine-focused social platforms, a welcoming, very loud lobby, team members that have more experience handling canine patients and so on. And because of this, when a feline patient and client come in, most veterinary teams may not notice the stress encountered by the quiet cat and owner in the corner. Sometimes in a rush to get a feline exam and vaccines accomplished quickly, 
Practice staff often don't communicate exam findings as thoroughly or provide clear and specific feline recommendations, nor do they outline the important aspects of the cat's health journey to the client. And that includes annual to semi-annual exams, diagnostic tests, and preventative care. You know, really, cats just simply get lost in the shuffle. Sure, I could absolutely see how that could happen. I mean, cats are not small dogs. So especially, you know, maybe if some team members are less comfortable with handling cats or reading their behavior. Yes, and that can contribute to the veterinarian having to rush through the exam and not explain or show the exam findings to the client as they go. Further, as a veterinary industry, we've unfortunately used vaccines as a reason to bring dogs and cats in for an exam and thus have inadvertently encouraged the misperception that this is the only reason to bring a cat in for the every three-year vaccine protocol instead of for the exam itself. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, okay, so we've identified a potential problem, but how do we fix it? For example, can you share some tips with our listeners about how practices can become more cat-friendly even when they see dogs as well? Most practices, I mean, we're so busy these days. So can you talk about how to accommodate cats better, especially given the daily time and caseload stress that we're seeing these days? I feel you, but absolutely. Even though much of the industry feels pretty spent, I want to share some relatively easy steps that can be implemented quickly without a lot of cost or training to help make the entire feline veterinary experience as calm and as rewarding as possible for our patients and their families. The big secret to all of this is to proactively plan for these visits. So let me separate the visit into three stages, pre-appointment, time in the hospital, and our digital presence. So all members of the CSR teams can become comfortable prepping clients for travel and arrival to the practice, including tips on cat carrier training, pheromone use, avoiding motion sickness, and other strategies to reduce stress. Now, this doesn't, and it shouldn't, be a long phone conversation because we can make an email template, link, or text sent to the client through your appointment reminder system. We should encourage these pet parents to carry the cat carrier from underneath with the two outstretched arms, line it with a fleece blanket, and cover it with a pheromone-sprayed towel, ideally. When the pet parent arrives, they should stay either in the car until the appointment to be ushered right into that feline-only exam room or into a separate feline waiting space. But once they enter the exam room, or should I say spa room, we really need to try our best to not move them again, giving them their much needed 20 to 45 minutes of time to acclimate. We should have plug-in diffusers, warm blankets, or towels with pheromones, use low stress handling in the spaces the cats choose, like an owner's lap or the floor, high reward treats, calm their auditory stress with classical or reggae music, and have supplies already needed so that diagnostics can be performed all in the same space. I don't know about you, Dr. Cassie, but I'm relaxed just thinking about this. Yes, I love it. It sounds great. Once our pet parents leave, keep them engaged digitally. Connect with them through social media, Catterday posts, feline-specific information, and look on your website to ensure there are feline-specific links in your resource library for clients to find accurate information that reinforces all of your great recommendations. 
Yeah, that's great information. I mean, obviously, as we've mentioned, practices are really busy these days, but we want to make sure we're seeing our feline patients for proper wellness care and not only when they've already become sick. What are some tips for practices to increase that consistent feline patient retention so we have these cats coming back every year? Well, you hit it on the head. The key is consistency and proactive medicine for the longest and best quality life for our cats. So here are some strategies that listeners can implement one at a time or group together based on their practice technology and workflow. First, dentists got it right with not letting you leave the office without your next appointment scheduled. And we should be doing the same, especially capturing a good feeling after a relaxing veterinary experience. Make sure to add forward booking to your checkout process. Wellness plans. They're a wonderful tool for many practices and practice groups to encourage multiple visits and frequent communication. We often assume pet owners know we recommend annual or more frequent checkups throughout the life of their cat, but many owners simply forget or they don't realize the importance after the kitten series. I strongly encourage discussion about pet health insurance at every new kitten and newly adopted cat visit. It doesn't mean I choose the plan and policy for the client, but I want them to know it exists and give them the opportunity to start early when premiums and the chance for pre-existing conditions are much lower. Telehealth is a great option, whether you're doing teletriage, active synchronous telehealth, or any version in between. I especially love this technology for behavior, nutrition, and some of my dermatology appointments. Utilize and promote the recommendations from AAFP on aging cats. Semi to tri-annual exams for these geriatrics to reinforce the core reason for the veterinary visit, that physical exam. Promote your personal and practice certifications like AAFP, Cat Friendly Practitioner, Fear Certified Hospital, Fear Free, and others. And finally, develop and promote your online pharmacy and the convenience of auto ship for easy medication and or nutrition compliance. You might prefer your clients purchasing in hospital. However, data shows that auto ship subscriptions increase compliance significantly, which benefits the patient and your practice. Awesome, those are great tips. And now I wanna shift gears a little bit to a different topic. As practitioners, we know that both indoor and outdoor cats need vaccines, fecal exams, blood work, parasite prevention, but our clients may not get that. And of course, indoor cats are somewhat inherently less exposed to certain risks compared to cats that practically live outdoors. So can you tell us a few pointers on talking to clients about the importance of why indoor cats need well care and need prevention just like outdoor cats? Well, first, it's important to remember that many cats defined as quote unquote indoor only by their owner are exposed to the outdoor. As I mentioned, often we see these cats as kittens and then not again for years. Many cats that owners plan to keep as indoor cats eventually become indoor-outdoor cats completely. Secondly, a surprising number of owners don't consider their back porch as outdoor. Third, we all know cats escape the home every now and then, and we want them to be protected from parasite-borne diseases and infectious viruses when that happens. And finally, even if the cat does stay indoors, unfortunately, many parasites do not. Intestinal parasite eggs can be tracked in on shoes. Fleas and ticks can be brought in on clothing or other pets. Mosquitoes get inside. We've all heard the statistic that one in four heartworm positive cats 
was defined as indoor in a study. Further, given that some of these vector-borne diseases can be zoonotic, such as Bartonella, we want to be sure we're keeping our cats protected. Ideas for increasing compliance might include vet-sponsored home delivery of their parasite prevention every month or regular vaccine reminders. It's also important to prescribe a parasite preventive that's easy for the owner to apply. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Dr. Marks. That was a great refresher on some of the impactful points we can keep in mind to share with clients. Thank you so much for being here. All right, Dr. Marks, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you again for coming on the podcast. Thank you to Zoetis for sponsoring this episode and to all of you for joining us. For more episodes like this, click on the education tab on the Vetfolio website. As always, we'd love to hear your input on this episode, as well as ideas for topics you'd like to hear from us in the future. Feel free to reach out to me at dvm at vetfolio.com. You can also visit my Facebook page at Dr. Cassie DVM, and you can find me on LinkedIn. And remember, if one animal is better off because of you today, it's a great day.